Welcome back, Q community. My name is Josephine Ma, and I am the Director of Communications and Marketing here at Concordia University of Edmonton, and this is Cup of Joe with Tim. And welcome to our Episode 3 of our podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome. I'm Tim Lawman, President and Vice-Chancellor of Q. Thank you for joining us again. And I'm going to usurp Josephine's role. And before we begin today's broadcast, I want to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on Treaty 6 land, which is also on Métis Nation Region 4 land. And while today it is known as Concordia University of Edmonton, for hundreds of years before us, it was an important place for many groups of Indigenous peoples, a lively place for gathering and trade, and one of the original Métis river lots here in Edmonton. This land recognition is just one small way in which we contribute to the ongoing reconciliation efforts here at Concordia. And each year, September 30th marks the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. The day honours children who never returned home and survivors of residential schools, as well as their families and their communities. September 30th is also Orange Shirt Day, which is intended to raise awareness of the individual, family and community intergenerational impacts of residential schools and to spread the word that every child matters. And here at Q, it's a day of reflection and a day of listening. We have a number of resources that we're recommending to staff and to students. Please check out our most recent post on our website at concordia.ab.ca for more information. So for our broadcast today, we are joined by our guest, Danielle Powder, who is the manager of Q's Indigenous Student Centre, and as always with Dr. Tim Lorman, the President and Vice-Chancellor of Q. So do you have a hot topic for our future podcasts? Let us know what you think at podcast at concordia.ab.ca. And don't forget, you can find all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. So, Danielle, you are our first guest ever to this podcast, so welcome. Yes, welcome, Danielle. Good day, my friends. Thank you so much to both of you for having me on this podcast. I'm really grateful to be able to chat uh, about both Truth and Reconciliation and uh, the changes that are so exciting and happening in our center. Absolutely. So as I mentioned in the open, so you're the manager of our Indigenous Student Centre here at Q. So you oversee and you manage the centre that, and so for many of us, you're actually a very familiar face here on campus. So can you tell us a bit about the centre and like, where is it on campus and what kind of services do you provide there? Yeah, definitely. So um, we're very blessed. We Mm. are located in the Alan Walkowicz Center, which used to be the newest building on campus, but (laughs) soon to be outlived, which is exciting. Uh, We were intentionally made on the main floor um, in the room AW124. So um, it was set up really intentionally to feel as a part of the land. So that's why we're on the main floor. And when you're looking in the center, you can see um, the beautiful landscape of the river valley. And that was really intentionally done to make sure to basically facilitate that connection that, you know, as Indigenous people, we have with the land. Absolutely. And there's Mm -hmm. like floor to ceiling windows there to have that beautiful view of the River Valley and to really get that natural feel in there as well, too. Absolutely. And uh, as it comes to support, so we have an Indigenous student navigator who uh, supports First Nation Métis and Inuit students in a variety of different ways. So um, some of those things might be sponsorship and funding opportunities, scholarships and awards, um, Mm -hmm. providing 
um, you know, academic advising, cultural advising, um, making referrals for culture, language, and ceremony, uh, housing, um, addiction support, uh, counseling. Uh, we're basically like a one-stop shop for uh, Indigenous students. They are sometimes a little shy to navigate the campus, so they come pop in and we just try to holistically support them and whatever. And I know you often refer to it as like a home away from home as well for some of these students. Absolutely. A lot of our students are, are, you know, new to the city and um, maybe, you know, struggling to make some connections in the city. So they come to meet other students and to to meet the lovely staff in our center and our elders and our knowledge keepers. So there's lots of friendly faces that they can, you know, get to know and then journey out into the campus and into other places in the city. Daniel, you've been with us from the very start of the opening of the centre. Could you tell us a bit about how it's developed in your time there? And also, I think there's some recent quite exciting news as well to share. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Uh, So uh, when I first started, I started back in 2018. So that's around five years ago. Um, We first had this idea, well, we had this space. Right. We had this physical space. Uh, There was literally still glass being installed when I showed up (laughs) and construction workers kind of sitting in the space. So I thought that was uh, pretty funny. But anyways, we, um, you know, we're thinking really broadly about what the space might be used for. So um, we kind of played with it for a little bit. You know, we um, hosted meetings there. We did um, language classes, so Nehiowewin, um, Denis Lene classes in there. We would book it for, um, you know, film screenings or research discussions. And um, when I first started, there was not very many students uh, who identified as First Nation Métis or Inuit. There was maybe around 60 students. Right. Um, and as the years went on, we started getting more and more students. And, and in turn, more and more Indigenous students started using the space. Um, so now the space, uh, it really looks like a student services mm-hmm. center. And that's really what it became because that's that's what the need was. Um, so there are students who gather in there to hang out with one another, do homework, study, read, um, nap sometimes. <laughs> do you guys um, have a comfy space to nap? Yeah, you know, we do. <laughs> and if they can't find one, they will make one for Love sure. It. Love it. Uh, and yeah, we uh, smudge in there because it's all locally ventilated, which is fabulous. And I think, you know, it's just a really, really important space for students because they feel that connection that spirit that safety which is so important and um, so to honor this kind of slow and steady progression uh, we we thought it would be important um, you know as an institution to rename the center Mm -hmm. so something that was going to guide us in our path forward something that was maybe a bit more in alignment with what was happening in the space so um, we approached our elders advisory circle who um you know, asked us to fulfill our protocols to ask for a name, a naming ceremony. And we actually just did our naming ceremony three weeks ago and we received a beautiful name. That and what is that name? <laughs> Maybe I'll ask you, Tim, since I know you've been practicing. Oh. You want me to say it? <laughs> well, am I right? Kahewak Kapimahachik. Yes, good. You did good. Yeah. And that is the new name of our Indigenous Student Center. Yes. 
Yeah, so we're excited. Um, it's, it, you know, it's loosely translated to where eagles fly or when or where, you know. Cree and English are like very, very different languages, right? right? So very loosely, it's, where you know, where eagles fly. And there's a lot of, you know, important significance around eagles in a lot of Indigenous cultures across the country. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you had mentioned as well, too, so we had involved two of our elders from our elders council. And maybe a lot of people don't know this, but we actually do have an elder Council here at Q that provides advice and input into our decision making. So um, I'm going to turn this question actually over to you, Tim. What can you tell us about the role of the Elders Council and what is a teaching that they've given you that has maybe impacted your outlook? Yeah, well, we um, had a number of years here where we really didn't pay all that much attention to Indigenous learners mm-hmm. or issues at Q. Um, and then at around in around 2016, we started to develop uh, an Indigenous strategy, is what we called it at the time, and that was Lewis Cardinal and Farron Calhoun, who were the drivers behind that. And that strategy called for a council of elders to support the needs of our students who came from a variety of different communities. So this collective wisdom now, because mm-hmm. we have had a number of people uh, on our right. council, um, really has helped us to grow. So aside from supporting individuals, our elders council, provides advice to Concordia on how to navigate various situations and they facilitate ceremony and generally just provide a very positive presence for us. So each of our elders has taught me a great deal about mm. the importance of ceremony as one example and uh, meaning the meaning behind the various elements of the ceremonies as well. So uh, I've had the opportunity to participate in a sweat lodge and speaking circles and uh, pipe ceremonies, smudges, a powwow, round dances, and even uh, a tea dance, which I believe was the first one in something like 140 years oh, with wow. Cold Lake First Nations. Amazing. Yeah, and that was that was in I think that was 2018 or 2019 when we have held mm-hmm. that. Um, now each of those things as events has taught me something and our elders have really helped me to become a better person they've they've helped me to become more understanding and I think more generous just through their example Mm, that's awesome and uh, as we know the truth and reconciliation commission of Canada they recommended 94 calls to action to advance reconciliation efforts in Canada so of those many relate to education and the indigenization of not just the k-12 school system but also in post-secondary institutions Um, And so this is something that we've really taken to heart here at Q. In fact, the third goal of our academic plan is to embed Indigenous ways of knowing and being and global thinking, ideas, culture and worldviews into our formal and informal programs. So Danielle, um, in your own words, can you tell me how you think embedding Indigenous ways of knowing and uh, being benefits Q students, faculty and basically our whole Q community here? Yeah, excellent question. Um, you know, just generally, I will say it's it's more about like, why are we doing this work? Mm. Right. So uh, the important piece when we're thinking about embedding indigenous ways of knowing and being, you know, it's, it's directly related to truth and reconciliation. And, you know, our I guess our conscious understanding of the immense loss, um, loss of life, loss of knowledge, loss of language, um, language mm-hmm. absolutely. And those things are inherently connected. Right. Um, 
So the the important piece here is um, reclaiming all of those things that have been lost through the process of colonization and um, reclaiming that. And it does, you know, um, we we have actively been contributing to things like medicine, right, to science, Mm -hmm. to we've always had these uh, ways of knowing and doing that have fed a lot of, you know, the things that we see in academia, right, that are being researched Mm -hmm. or discussed, right? Absolutely. So um, I think I think there's a there's a process of re um, I guess re reintegration maybe yeah reintegration that's it that yeah reintegration of this um, knowledge and then you know of course recognizing the the original owners and and, and knowers of of all of the things that inform you know even like um, learning pedagogies right like mm-hmm. teaching pedagogies a lot of those are rooted in indigenous knowledge well and, and even things like storytelling for example right. that is such a you know beautiful tradition and we do a lot of that in marketing and communications so we borrow from your traditions there as well too so yeah. absolutely lots of learning to do and I think um you know how um, people across the campus, whether you're a student, you're a staff, or you're a faculty, um, you know, there's so much um, existing knowledge that has been curated. So, um, you know, this is a time to really affirm and revisit, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the TRC um, final report, right? That was published in 2015. There's a lot of people who make reference to the 94 calls to action, but a lot of people have not read Mm -hmm. the final report and the summary. Um, There's many volumes, so you could, you go into it for a long time you know the royal uh, commission put out a report i think in the 90s right that had tons of recommendations and ton of learning from across the country about the indigenous experience um you know looking at at new frameworks like the united nations declaration on the rights of indigenous people you know um that's kind of a new conversation that's happening mm-hmm. in canada but mm-hmm. that um those are all ways i think that they, they set the framework right that the knowledge is there the journey is kind of outlaid for us and, it, and it's really um, our, our, our work to find, um, you know, culturally safe and respectful ways to incorporate what we already know into our classes yes. and to really normalize and, you know, normalize Indigenous knowledge and put it into practice for, for all that we do here at, at Q. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, we've been given a day, September 30th, to actually go through some of those Mm-hmm. pieces of you know information and absorb and reflect and listen to some of the stories that come out of um, the indigenous experience as you mentioned as well and so in our last episode Tim we discovered that one of your pet peeves is when organizations do really performative actions and have little impact beyond a glass glossy photo for social media so my question to you is how do we keep the work that we're doing here at Q to indigenize our campus and our ways and the ways of knowing and being how do we do that without it being kind of tokenized and how do we keep ourselves accountable to ensure that real change is being made here at Q? You're quite right, Josephine. I have been so resistant to doing <laughs> anything that might be seen as performative. Um, and early on, here is a, um, I guess, a, a confession I have to make, and I'm not necessarily proud of this, but early on when I was less enlightened, I even thought some forms of ceremony might be performative actions. Um, And I thought that to just do ceremony and nothing else was to sell our community short. Mm. But I've learned and I now see that ceremony is actually essential to supporting our Indigenous community here at Kew um, and that it has deep and very important meaning and I was so wrong and so stupid when it came to that. (laughs) Um, We all learn and grow, right? So 
what I but what I wanted to avoid, for example, uh, was you know posting pictures, uh, as you say, that in, might include some kind of indigenous content on Instagram or or elsewhere. And then you say, "What a good job we're doing! Yay!" And and that's and good kind for of us. Where, and yeah. then we clap each other on the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, and that's where it stops. So what I, what I've always wanted to do. Um, is to provide real supports for students, um, academic, social, emotional, emotional, and uh, spiritual supports as well. And I, I also want us to be really welcoming to our non-Indigenous students and, and to walk that road of reconciliation together. I think that's really important because reconciliation uh, isn't uh, something that one group can do, right? Mm-hmm. It, it means it involves coming together. So, you know, kudos to our elders and Danielle and Ingrid, um, and our many engaged Indigenous students for making that happen. Uh, we still have a way to go, but you know, I'm really grateful for the distance that we've come, actually. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things that you talked about there was ceremony and the importance of that. And um, of course, we talked a bit about this, the naming ceremony that we had for the uh, former, for the space formerly known as the Indigenous Research Knowledge Center. Now, um, renamed to Kihewak Kapi Mihachik. Did I say that right? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, so I guess I guess it's my turn to say it, hey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm yeah. the yeah. only one. Everyone has well, to say it. You speak that. Cree, so now we have high <laughs> expectations. Oh, I, I am not a fluent speaker. Thank you so much, though. <laughs> okay, Danielle, so now's your chance. Now your turn to say it. It's Kihewak Kapi Mihachik. Okay, it sounds like a million times better when you say it. So it does. from now on, we should just let her say it. I just, I thought I had it down pat, but now I realize. We ha- I think we have like the but. anglicized version of it. I appreciate your efforts. I'll, I'll keep working on it. Yeah, so uh, let's walk our listeners through what um, that ceremony looked like when we actually received that name from the elders. So maybe you can just start us off and tell us a bit about the significance of it and kind of like what that whole experience looked like when we received that name. Definitely. Uh, So I will just kind of preface this by saying, um, you know, we do have uh, pretty strict protocols when it comes to discussing ceremony. Um, Additionally, like some some teachings are you you need to acquire certain permissions to be able to reshare teachings. And I think that's um, something that a lot of people don't know. Right. Mm, Yeah, I didn't Um, know that. Yeah. So as an Indigenous person, that doesn't entitle me to. Um, you know, the abundant knowledge and wisdom of every elder, right? So if I if I want to share something or I think something is valuable and I would like to repeat it, I usually have to approach an elder with my own protocol and make my own ask, right? Um, so um, what I can share about the naming ceremony is that naming ceremonies, you know, um, are more commonly happening for either like projects or programs or organizations. We're kind of seeing that now, but um, I think also it's important to recognize um, the reclaiming of spiritual names, right? Uh, Before, um, you know, uh, the settlers journeyed here and anglicized a lot of our names, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we traditionally would be given multiple names in our lives. Okay, Yeah, so uh, we would ask the ancestors, um, through a ceremonial process that looks different nation to nation. And, um, we would ask what is, you know, what is this child's name? What is this baby's name? And then we would, you know, and then at a later place in life, we would ask, you know, like what, what is, you know, what is their name now? And it kind of outlines, you know, who our teachers are, who we need to be paying attention to. Like for us, Kihiwak, the, the Eagles, 
that's going to be our teacher, right? That's Mm -hmm. who we need to watch. That's who's going to inform our path forward. So, um, you know, everything that we're doing, if we're, if we're ever lost on that journey, we just look to that ego as our teacher and, and that will kind of reaffirm what we're doing and, and and lead us down the right path. Right. Fascinating. And I really love too the fact that we waited until we were in this space for a couple of years and had the space tell us like, it's time for something new. It's time for a renaming before going ahead with something like this. And I thought that was a really cool kind of way to tie that back to what you're saying about um, the renaming of people and the spiritual names as well. Yeah, it's it's a really exciting time, you know, for when we're thinking about reconciliation, like there's so many efforts to reclaiming our spiritual names. Like I know there was uh, the government of Canada was uh, allowing, not I shouldn't say allowing, but like approving yeah, <laughs> uh, spiritual name changes, right? So people were able to um, choose their their given name by their families rather than the, you know, kind of rejecting that um, anglicized version of their name or those given names to them, right? So that's, right. A, that's a gesture towards reconciliation. Sure, absolutely. And, um, you know, we look around even the signage in Edmonton, right? Like you're, you're starting to see more of these names that we would, um, you know, are, are, I know have heard, I've heard they have been difficult for people to pronounce, <laughs> but it's an exercise in reconciliation and reclamation as well, because we always had names for these places mm. you know, um, they were renamed in, in many ways. So, um, that's, that's a process towards mm-hmm. reconciliation as well as getting everybody to learn how to say that. And that's going to be an exciting adventure too, for everybody <laughs> at Concordia. You know, a lot of people are expressing a bit of anxiety around saying that's that and right. that's okay. That's a part of the process and we're all learning together. And I think it's a beautiful way to, to move forward and like, you know, you know, learn language, participate in reconciliation. Absolutely. And I think that that's probably a good challenge to issue to people as well, too, that if you live or, you know, near the area or you work on campus or you go to school here, it's a good challenge for us to actually learn the name because words have meaning and words have power. And so, you know, by learning the name and calling it by its proper actual spiritual name, I think that there's a lot of power in doing that. So that's a good challenge that we issue to students and faculty. Josephine, we're sitting in my office and on my office wall, I have a a Chinese calligraphy that was given to Concordia and it says writings convey truth or words convey truth. And uh, I think that's really uh, the case with the new name of Mm -hmm. the the centre as well. It really speaks a, a truth. Yes, absolutely. And so recognizing that National Day for Truth and Reconciliation is coming up, we want to leave our listeners with a call to action. But first, I want to talk a little bit and go a little deeper with you both and ask you, what does this day mean to you personally? And I can actually start because um, my journey is a little bit different. My parents were immigrants to Canada, so they came in the 70s. So they, you know, my history and my lineage weren't an active part of colonization. However, we do benefit from colonization, having come here, established ourselves, um, you know, gone to school here as well. And so I recognize that as a first generation Canadian, I also have privilege coming here as well. So that is how kind of I see myself and how I um, respond to this day. Um, maybe I'll throw it over to you, Tim. How, what does this day mean to you? It's it's pretty complex, and I have a hard time really untangling my thoughts around this. But you know, a few um, words I've written down as as you're speaking there are um, to me it's about honesty, um, uh, confronting what has happened in the mm, past, yep. 
but also it's about moving forward. So um, we need to have some humility here. We need to listen um, and we need to learn. So so to me, it's it's really about that commitment to a partnership moving forward, um, you know, in a really positive way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then what about for you, Danielle? What does this day to mean to you as somebody who is Cree? Yeah, so and I'm actually Métis. Oh, Métis, okay, <laughs> yeah. I did not know that. There you yeah, go. I'm a Utapemsu. <laughs> um, I, you know, for me, reconciliation is a little bit layered. You know, mm-hmm. I think there um, is definitely room for more truth-telling. Um, you know, more and more, I know just a couple of years ago, there was uh, the, the reported finding of the 215 children who um, were found mm-hmm. in the unmarked grave, you know, at the residential school right. in Kamloops. And, um, you know, that's kind of lost some media attention now. Um, that being said, there are scans happening all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, different communities are leading their own ground searches. And, um, you know, I think there's now over, um, there's well over 4,000 confirmed remains. And, um, you know, that's very, that's a part of the truth telling process, right? Those things have been talked about in the TRC uh, final report, but a lot of people were very surprised and unaware of that finding, right? So I, I think there's room for more truth telling mm-hmm. uh, on the part of Canadians. And just from a personal perspective, um, my work in reconciliation is healing myself. Um, you know, I am an intergenerational survivor of residential schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a lot of unlearning to do, and I had a lot of reconnecting to do, and I had to process a lot of shame and a lot of uh, combat a lot of racism in my mm-hmm. life. And, um, you know, I need to heal myself. I And that inherently will heal all of the generations to come. You know, my family personally has been working really hard at restoring our connection, um, restoring our, our pride, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've worked, been working really hard with my cookum, so my grandmother, to reclaim our family history and stories, things that were hidden for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And um, just from a personal perspective, that's what reconciliation means to me, is just reconnecting um, after so much so much loss, right, through, through residential schools. And I know so many other Indigenous people across Turtle Island can relate to this narrative. And I really think that's our work. That's our priority is, you know, reconciling with ourselves mm-hmm. and our families and our communities and with our cultures and identities. And it sounds like your family is really taking something that was so brutal and turning it into something beautiful in reconnection and reestablishing those links with one another. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so as we come up to September 30th, what are some ways that um, you will be kind of marking that day? So for myself, I'll be watching documentaries on CBC. They have tons that roll out throughout the day. So I've committed to sitting down and watching one through and really reflecting on that. And of course, wearing my signature orange um, for the day of. And of course, Danielle, today you're wearing a Every Child Matters shirt, uh, one of the orange shirts that um, I'm sure many people will be wearing on the 30th as well. But how will you, um, Danielle, be kind of marking that day yeah so um the day itself this is a little complex answer but uh you know the concordia will be acknowledging and recognizing the day 
Um, we will be, last year we participated and facilitated this um, exercise where we painted moccasins and then we mm. put a display on the front lawn. So we'd like to continue that. Um, so with that will be the Friday before okay. um, the TRC day. Mm -hmm. And um, additionally, there will be shirts for sale by the CSA. So those, um, there's a new design. So I think that'll be really helpful for Great. students to know to go to Tegler. Um, I believe it's on the Friday as well. Okay, so that's the 29th. Yeah, yeah the 29th. Uh, they can go and pick up a shirt. They'll be, they're just priced at cost. Um, so $10, they can go and pick up a shirt. Super affordable and yeah, being able to show support for the day of. Absolutely. And personally, I um, I do my best to go attend in-person events. So, um, you know, I know Bendero is having um, a, an event. Well, not an event. It's, it's a ceremony uh, mm -hmm. that has a lot of different pieces. I think it's um, in the afternoon, but Bandera Traditional Healing Society, if you just Google it, you'll be able to see the event that's happening. And it's pretty close um, to, to this location. It's okay. close to home. So I might go see if they have room. They might not because I know lots of people are looking for things to do. Right. But, yeah. Movies, conversations with your family. I find those are the most impactful is like taking some time with your family, you know, and talking mm -hmm. about what happened and, um, you know, what and, and just reflecting on like, how are we contributing? Right. Whether that's professionally, whether that's personally, whether that's as a family, whether that's engaging with your community. Right. And the, that sounds like it's kind of a continuation of that journey of healing as well, too. Mm -hmm. And then what about for you, Tim? Well, I'm, I'm not altogether sure what I'm going to do. I, I know the day before um, I will uh, be spending some time in Kahewa Kape Mahachik, uh, and I know that uh, pr pronunciation isn't right now. Um <laughs> So I will I will take some some uh, time to to go down and, mm -hmm. and uh, spend time there and uh, I do plan on the Saturday to do some learning in the area. I have a little book of TRC recommendations. I think that's the one that everyone has is a, just a, a you know size of a couple of boxes of mat, uh, matchbook uh, matchboxes um, and I. I have it sitting above my desk and I just pull it down occasionally and, and read it. And I like to go through that at least once a year, but, but usually I, I flip through bits of it you know, mm -hmm. on, a, on a regular basis. So I'll probably review that. Um, you know, and I did have a look through that at the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation and, and uh, they have um, sort of lunch and learns and some activities mm, yep. going on in the week prior that I, I may engage with but on the actual day they don't have a lot other than a suggestion to watch the ceremony on parliament hill um mm, yep. and so i may do that i may take them up on that uh, that suggestion um anyway my commitment moving forward mm -hmm. um and it's not new, by the way. Uh, it's the same commitment. <laughs> it's a continuation. Yeah, yes. sure. Um, I do want to continue to improve my understanding of Canadian Indigenous history and and the issues, and and I really also want to commit to supporting Danielle and her team uh, mm -hmm, to the best of my abilities to make uh, Q an even better place for all learners. Absolutely. And if anyone out there who's listening is looking for some resources, we do have some resources that are posted on concordia.ab.ca, um, things that you can either participate in or maybe even just read up on the history of it, especially if you're somebody who is new to Edmonton or maybe new to Canada, and this is all brand new to you, a really good opportunity for you to do that. So before we go, a couple of things to highlight. First, that there's no classes on Monday, October the 2nd, due to the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation falling on a Saturday. So no classes on Monday, an extra day for you to do that reading or that um, reflecting on what you may be looking at. 
And Q Grad Fair is on Friday, October the 6th. So this is um, a different universities will come here and they will be talking about their various grad opportunities, their um, graduate opportunities. And of course, we'll be featuring the graduate programs from Q here as well. So that's in Tegler Student Center, Friday, October the 6th. And then of course, Game Day Fridays. Don't forget to wear your blue and gold to support our Thunder athletes every Friday from now until the end of the semester. And so that is it. Thank you so much, Danielle, for joining us on our podcast today. You're welcome back anytime that you like. I know that you love experiences like this. <laughs> yeah, I was a little nerve wracking. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Thank you. You did great. Thank you so much. You're such a natural too, though. Truly. You're so good at this. Yeah. Truly. And then the last word goes over to you, Tim. Yeah. So bye for now. Be kind, do good and lead well. Exmaga. <laughs>